The only thing more fractured than fans' opinions of the WBC is Altuve's thumb. Astros need someone to step up, but who's going to answer the call? Hey, Yuli, you up? It's episode 15 of Stone Cold Strohs, and it starts right now. The music stinger works better when I have it queued up. Welcome into Stone Cold Strohs. I'm Brandon Strange, the man in the middle of the podcast sandwich of Sports Map Houston, senior content contributor Charlie Palillo. You can follow him on Twitter at Palillo. Read his weekly column on sportsmap.com. Next to him is the guy who deletes all the H's in Christian Javier's name that gets auto-inserted. It's sportsmap.com editor and host of ESP 97.5 and 92.5's Moneyline, Josh Jordan. Follow him on Twitter at JoshJordan975. Charlie Josh, welcome in. Small guys recover just fine, even from messed up thumbs. You know, obviously the biggest news of the week was Jose Altuve's uh, thumb injury. But before we get into that, you know, I, I tease a little bit in the open. The WBC has sparked some spicy takes uh, from the talking heads, especially when you see guys like Edwin Diaz and Altuve suffer significant injuries. We saw some close calls. Brandon Nemo come to mind. Altuve tweaked his, or excuse me, Kyle Tucker tweaked his ankle. So WBC, where do you guys fall out on that? I'm strongly pro WBC and not that the players get to dictate all policy, but they pretty much universally love it. Every guy who's involved, uh, the thrill of the competition, the pride of representing one's nation. You'd think a bigger deal for Venezuela, the Dominican Republic, Mexico, et cetera. But all the guys on Team USA uh, say it's a blast. Mike Trout's biggest career regret right now other than maybe committing 12 years to the Angels, all that money aside, uh, that he chose not to play in the WBC in the past, specifically to Altuve. Look, he could have got his thumb busted by some wild A-ball kid early in spring training. Edwin Diaz, freak in the celebration. But years ago, Kendry Morales, the Angels outfielder, he blew out a knee jumping on home plate after a game-winning home run. That didn't end Game-winning home run celebrations. I don't think you live your life governed by fear. Freak injuries or bad injuries can happen. The Astros just happen to get bitten by that bug severely in this case. But I would not run scared from the WBC because of this. It's a fantastic event. But as always, follow the money. Huge investments. The injury time that Altuve's out isn't going to cost the Astros a dime. They'll be refunded uh, that money or not have to pay out that money because of insurance. Ah, but what if the insurers say we're not going to uh, cover premiums for WBC injuries anymore since we're paying out $20 for Diaz and however many million for the time that Altuve misses? Would the players be as patriotic if they were forced to sign waivers saying, if you're hurt, you're SOL and you don't get paid your big league salary. Yeah, that would be interesting to see if, if that changes the way they approach things. For me, it's just a timing issue. I, I'm not a huge WBC guy. Some of the games I've watched, have, you know, they've been entertaining, but it's not something where I'm, you know, locked in, checking my phone. Oh, when's the next game starting? What network is it on? It, I'm just... You know, if you like it, you like it. Cool. For me, it's just kind of okay. Like I said, I've watched some games, but I'm not locked into all of them. I just don't love the timing. I wish this was maybe right after the season, not before. I feel like a lot of these things could be avoided when you're not trying to get into playoff type games in March when, 
you know, you should just be getting prepared for the season. They're getting into high leverage situations. And, and I think it led to some of this stuff. I, I really do. So it's unfortunate. There's nothing we can do about it now. We just got to hope that Altuve has a, a speedy recovery. It is interesting, um, the kind of disconnect between Astros, uh, or I should say MLB fans, and as Charlie said, these players who really are impassioned about playing uh, and representing their country. They're able to represent their country on a world stage in which they really aren't afforded that, and this is a big deal to them. And of course, as Major League Baseball fans, our priority is that players come back and that they're healthy and they can participate. And so I do wonder if there starts becoming more punitive uh, language and contracts that would deter players from participating. You know, I mean, most ball players can't ride a motorcycle. It's strictly prohibited in their contract because of the, the dangers, inherent risk in that. Uh, is there something similar that could be worked into contracts that deter that? But at the same time, you don't want to discourage or, or take away opportunities from national pride for them to be able to represent their teams. So I, I do find it, it a strange dichotomy that I think American fans are going to have a tough time wrestling with, or at least seeing uh, perspective from player side of it. Obviously, the, the the headline, the reason why we're talking about this is the headline from uh, the weekend is Altuve. Astros confirmed that the fracture will require surgery, which uh, they don't even know when the surgery is going to happen because they have to wait for the swelling to go down. First things first, let's talk second. Jerickson Profar was an option just a day ago. He finds a home with Rockies of all places. Uh, so do you guys think it's as simple as just a combo of Hensley and Dubon to bridge the gap, or could we see Dana Brown get a little bit more aggressive or creative in his solutions? I think initially they'll handle it from within. Uh, this is a horrible blow, obviously, for the Astros, but checking, nope, sky's not falling, roof is not caved in. This injury occurs March 18th. August 18th, all right, then everyone ducked that sky and roof would both be tumbling down upon us. So if there's a point on the calendar where this was inevitable, uh, better now than later, uh, you want to uh, paint uh, smiles on a pig. Um, you know, this is a month and a half of wear and tear at the major league level that'll be conserved on Jose Altuve's legs. I mean, he has had leg issues at times uh, over the last uh, couple of seasons. Um, six to eight week injury post-surgeries, the norm. We'll get a little more specific going forward. If it's eight weeks, that's a quarter of the regular season. Uh, Jose Altuve missing a quarter of the regular season doesn't cost the Astros 10 games. Uh, if you just use the war concept, Altuve had a marvelous season last year. He was about a six war player. That's a win per month. So it's a huge blow. And of course, the emotional value, along with the baseball value that Altuve brings to the Astros and Astros fans. Um, this sucks. There's no getting around that. Uh, David Hensley, utility guy, not established as a second baseman. Starts as a second baseman last year. What do you have? Two. Uh, Maurice Dubon, very few. Pedro Leon, had he taken better to the position and risen as a prospect, he might have been the wild card, made 20 starts at AAA last year, but I don't think he's even in the mix. Uh, the Astros lineup drops down a tier, but it's not like they go from an elite lineup to 23rd best in the major leagues. And the depth that they have in the lineup you know, you still have the core four, which isn't counting Jeremy Pena. Right? If he evolves into a, a star, not at the level he was in the postseason, obviously, but just a good solid leap from his rookie season. And you add him to Bregman and Alvarez and Tucker and Abreu. 
Um, so the water is uh, poured into the boat, but it's not sinking the Titanic here. No, it, it just concerns me a little bit because that's just the update on what we think the timeline will be for Altuve to heal. But then he's also got to get back into baseball shape and get his timing and start swinging and kind of starting the whole process over again. So I think it could take a little longer than we think. And we're already hearing, you know, Brantley's probably not going to be ready. So, you know, it's disappointing. There's no other way to, to get around it. But as Charlie mentioned, it's early in the year. They have time to, to make up for all this, get everybody healthy, get going. For me, I'd be picking up the phone and checking on Yuli. You know, he can opt out of his deal with the Marlins this Saturday if he isn't moved to the 40-man roster. I'd take a shot at Yuli playing some second base for you. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But, you know, from a leadership standpoint, a, a chemistry standpoint, he gets, you know, he gets along great. They all love Yuli. I'd take a shot here. I, I'm excited for Hensley to get an opportunity, but – it's, it's an opportunity. It's a we don't know. He just hasn't done it at this level. And I know Yuli hadn't played a whole lot of second base, you know, all that recently. But I, I think he could do some of that. So i take a flyer on Yuli. You're living in the past, man. Uh, <laughs> Yuli's last start in the major leagues at second base was in 2019. He made two. He made four in 2018. Uh, the Astros decided, basically, he was washed. I mean, he got a minor league contract from the Marlins. He turns 39 years old, at least, in a couple of months. Uh, I think thinking that he could handle a regular Major League second base play in the non-shift era, where you want your second mm -hmm. baseman to be more mobile and cover, cover more ground. Uh, Dubon stinks offensively. That's uh, what I was going to get to, Charlie. He cannot play at the Major <laughs> League level. Uh, he might be the one guy, if he got regular playing time, you're saying, hey, let's uh, bat Maul the eighth. Mm. Um, Hensley's a wild card. It was actually zero starts at second base for Hensley. A couple of appearances there. He did make about 45 starts at Sugarland at second base. You know, just as he's not a physical prototype for shortstop, he's perhaps even less so, certainly in physical contrast to Altuve. You go from a five foot six second baseman to a six foot six second baseman. Uh, but he, to me, is clearly the guy on campus who you at least give some run. And then, as I'm sure the other element of this that we'll get into, uh, how do you factor Hensley or anyone else playing second base in a reconfigured Astros batting order, right? What does Dusty Baker start going through there? Dusty, I know you're now a World Series winning manager, but I can give you one ironclad tip here. Never bat Dubon leadoff. Tried it a couple times last year. No, 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 no. Never. And by the way, he's still hitting under 200 this spring, so it hasn't gotten better for Dubon. It usually looks like Babe Ruth compared to this guy. Yeah. And Josh, you and I talk about it a lot. Championships require a certain amount of luck, whether it's luck of you know, the ball bouncing a certain way uh, or health. And so the Astros roster has been built uh, at least thus far to be able to fade either uh, injuries or inactivities. You know, we, we saw last year, you know, we, well, actually, you know, before that, going back, we saw them get to the World Series without Justin Verlander, Lance McCullers winning a World Series without Michael Brantley. Last year, the Astros were able to fade rough first halves from Bregman and Yuli. It was actually an entire season from Yuli that was rough, but Bregman and Yuli both were were pretty bad in, in the first half. They just were really scuffling until Bregman was able to get it together. Yuli was able to get it together in the postseason. Um, and so, yeah, and, and as far as the Yuli thing goes, yeah, I, I echo, Charlie, your sentiment about that. That was exactly where I was going to go with the defensive 
obligations being a little bit more pronounced now with the elimination of the shift. I would certainly much rather see his bat in the lineup than uh, Dubon, but I wonder, given what Yuli did at the plate last year, if it isn't uh, kind of offset by what uh, Dubon's able to bring with a, uh, you know, his glove defensively. And when this happened almost immediately, the internet starts pontificating on you know, who's going to hit leadoff. So, guys, who, who's going to hit leadoff? Who's going to? Yes. Uh, if he's healthy to answer the bell against right-handed pitching, I think Brantley's the obvious call. Now, he has no speed. If you want to go A with the stereotype of, hey, you want a fast guy at the top of the order, or now with the larger bases, uh, a little bit uh, renewal, perhaps on emphasis of the running game, Brantley wouldn't be a prototype there. But job one is to get on base. Uh, my initial thought is not to move Jeremy Pena into the leadoff spot. Uh, I wouldn't want to see more sustainability with him as an on-base percentage guy uh, before I move him out of the uh, two-hole to the top of the lineup. And Dusty was on record that Brantley was going to be in the two-hole behind Altuve. Uh, I know you'd like to have some balance in the lineup rather than it being really top-heavy. For instance, if Dusty is just enamored with Dubon and he's my best glove option and I want that middle infield defense. Right? If you have McCormick against right-handed pitching, Chaz McCormick, with Dubon and Maldonado, Maldonado at the bottom. You know, that's a bottom third reminiscent of the days of uh, Everett Osmus and the pitcher. Um, but, you know, you don't want to overreact by having Dubon second and saying, we'll do a little sacrifice bunting and we'll try a hit and run if the leadoff guy gets on. You want your best guys up at the plate the most. The difference from batting first in a lineup to, say, seventh in a lineup is about 100 plate appearances per season. So moving a guy up because he fits some of the long-ago job description of a guy who can handle the bat. Uh, I also want a guy who can A, hit, and B, get on base, and Dubon, uh, no, and and no. So a healthy Brantley, I would go Brantley, uh, followed now by Pena back up high in the lineup, and then you get to Jordan and Bregman and Tucker and Abreu in whichever order, and that's still a pretty potent core. Yeah, for me, it's either Kyle Tucker or Pena. I think it's one of those two guys. We know Tucker can steal some bags. He's trying to, you know, hit, join the 30-30 club this year. He got pretty close last year. I think he was about five uh, bags short. So he could be a guy that could do that for you. I don't have a problem with Pena either. If he can continue, you know, his on-base percentage was was awful last year. Um, but it feels like he corrected that towards the end of the season. So if that holds over into this year, he could be in a good spot for you. And you have to think Pena is going to be at the top of the order at least for a while over the next couple of years. I, I think it's what's tough about this is we don't know if Brantley's going to be ready. You know, we're not, we may not see what the real lineup is going to be for a while until all the pieces are in place. So yeah, for me, it, it'd be Tucker or Pena. I'd be fine with either one of those guys. Pena is the fastest guy on the team to Charlie's point. If you want the traditional, just get your fast guy up there. He's got power. He can kind of do that George Springer thing too, where he's got a ton of power and he can, he can punish you for fastballs early in the game. So either one of those. And I wouldn't mind seeing Tucker get a few more at-bats. I don't think that would be the worst thing in the world. Concur, uh, as opposed to being as low as sixth in the lineup. Abreu or Tucker figures to bat sixth when the Astros have, have everyone healthy. Probably a bit much to put on his plate if David Hensley, in the right decision, gets the primary second base option. It was only 35 plate appearances to end last year. But the guy showed some plate discipline, some quality plate appearances in the postseason. 
and not that AAA always maps to the major league level or sports maps to the major league level, but his on-base percentage at Sugarland was 420 last season. He hit 290-something and drew 80 walks in roughly 420 plate appearances, whatever the number was. So you don't need 420 out of David Hensley or anyone in the on-base uh, percentage column to be doing a good job. If you're 350 there and setting the table for the mashers in the middle, that's just fine holding down that fort until Altuve gets back. Yeah, we've seen Dusty set his lineup by position at times, which is strange, but he likes to kind of keep guys hitting where they're hitting. So I, I wonder if the leadoff spot won't be whoever is manning that uh, spot at second. So whoever's there at second. And yes, I, I think that does mean Dubon may be leading off. I We've seen Dusty. Right. I, I know, but this the question isn't what we would do. The question is, what are they going to do? And Dusty seems like that, like he's not averse to that. I, I, I hope that's not what we see. I, I, I know that it's a lot of pressure to put on Hensley, but I would like to see him. And then, and then short of that, I think Jose Abreu is an, an intriguing uh, option to play, to, to hit lead off just because of his consistency. You talked about you know, the lack of speed out of Brantley, but I, I, I definitely think um, a guy like uh, Abreu would be, would be interesting. Kind of like, Hey, you know, get your feet wet right off the bat with your new team. We hit lead off and, you know, set the table for the entire team. I think that's an interesting prospect. Um, that would shock me if yeah. they, if they went with Abreu just because he doesn't look the part and he's basically batted fourth uh, his entire career and being pushed down from there. But if he's 2022, Jose Abreu on base percentage 379, that would play, right? And the home run power was down. So if you have a guy with 379 on base percentage and 15 home runs, what Abreu hit last year, most presume that number will tick up getting the Crawford boxes to shoot for, though uh, Newt Comiskey, whatever they call it these days, U.S. Cellular, they moved on from that. Uh, guarantee rate field, or have they moved on from that? That's a pretty good home run park as well. It's not having the Crawford boxes to hit pop flies into. So there's a chance to think outside the box a little bit. Uh, James Click would probably be in Dusty's ear. Not Dubon, not Dubon. You know, the, the one-off here or there, a game in April, a game in June was bad enough, but a regular diet of Dubon in the leadoff spot, unless he has an unbelievable metamorphosis about to happen before our eyes. Look, that would just be playing lineup stupid. I can't believe they'll do that. Uh, Dana Brown might not be as uh, analytically bent as James Click or Jeff Luno, but I'm sure Dana Brown would be saying, Dusty, what, what, what are you doing? Uh, whereas Hensley could at least say off his minor league pedigree the last couple of years, something worth thinking about. Dubon, not for a second. <laughs> and with Maldonado at ninth, imagine going Mald Maldonado, Dubon back to back uh, for you know your two-hole hitter to have to deal with that. Not a lot of guys going to be on base there. And it is interesting with, with Yuli leaving and Aledmus Diaz, th that changing of the guard utility type role for the Astros is going to be tested very early in the season here with Hensley and Dubon. I mean, imagine Dubon and Maldi in the line. I don't have to imagine it. It literally happened last year. Like that, we, we got to see a big dose of it. Oh, not a big dose, but plenty of it. Enough of a dose to where we know that's not the kind of medicine we want. You mentioned earlier, Brandon, uh, Jerks and Profar. Yes. Who hasn't played any second base yeah. the last couple of years, but he was a middle infielder by pedigree and, and has played a reasonable amount. I mean, he winds up going to the Colorado Rockies. Now he got seven and three quarter million dollars. 
But the Rockies aren't going to be close to contending. It's a one-year contract, so presumably they're going to try to trade him for a prospect uh, at some point over the, the summer if Profar is producing at all. Uh, so I'm not saying he'd naturally slot as your everyday second baseman. However, it's not like it's the first time his name has come up in our conversations here. If we rewind the clock a couple of months, he could have played a little bit of second base. Certainly corner outfield. He's a switch hitter. Uh, so as a utility guy with infield outfield flexibility, you know, you want to play the what if game or oh, miss the boat on that one. Uh, you're not wildly out of line if you choose to, to think that right now. Yeah. Well, speaking of injuries, we got an update from Dusty Baker that Jordan is ahead of Brantley as far as timeline to uh, get some live play in. Jordan looks like he may be in a game as little as, as short as this week. So, uh, I mean, that's that's big news. How much is on Jordan's shoulders now? Like you now that you've you've lost Altuve for the first couple of months of the season, it seems more uh, more and more important that Jordan get out to a fast start and, and kind of same for Michael Brantley, who the, you know, the team faded his injuries last year. They kind of need him to step up and, and fill in for a, an ailing Altuve. I mean, for me, you are on the only question is uh, that most vital of abilities availability. I mean, there's just no reason to think he's going to be less than fantastic if he's right. Uh, concerning that after an off season where it flared up some, we're now, down the home stretch of spring training, and he's just now getting close to getting into games. And what if there's a setback? Uh, I'm not talent concerned. I think if he can get a week's worth of at bats, uh, fewer than ideal, but enough of a run up to the regular season. And from an Astros fan perspective, I'd also be heartened by okay, he was bothered by it last season. Once he got over it, he mashed. Uh, I'll put a little more onus on Alex Bregman, actually because Alex Bregman has gotten off to lousy starts each of the last couple of seasons. Now, he was gangbusters the last couple of months of 2022. Um, if he wants to have an MVP-level season, he can't leave himself in a starting gate by being eh uh, into mid-May, and his importance is heightened without Altuve and if Al- Alvarez has uh, any little bit of a, a, a runway to get to, to maximum Jordan-ness. Yeah, I I was listening to some quotes from Dusty last week, and they they were talking about the outfield, and you know if Brantley would be back or not, and how Jake Myers and and Chaz McCormick would fit in, and of course Tucker. I noticed he never mentioned Jordan. I'm I'm just I'm not necessarily reading into it. I just thought that was interesting. I wonder if with Jordan's hand injury, you know, causing him to miss some time this spring, if maybe they're going to DH him a little more, or if it just he just didn't mention him and it. It didn't have to do with anything. He just didn't happen to mention him. So I'll be curious to watch that and see if if Jordan's going to be playing as much outfield as uh, Mr. Jeff Bagwell with the new title, by the way, as much as as he thought and as much as Dusty thought in the offseason. Obligatory Justin Dearden mention? Mm. Yeah, I, I absolutely. I think so, especially because he continues to mash. And I think what concerns me about Jordan specifically is just seeming seemingly the chronic nature of the soreness that's my words not theirs but the it's certainly reoccurring we can we can admit it's that and with both hands he's, yeah. he's had he's had issues you know 25 right. years of age this should be you know one's peak physical prime of life uh on the one hand less concerning than if it was an arthritic knee or mccullers is throwing arm uh that said you know the hands are kind of important as a hitter so if one of them is kind of gravelly in there 
damn right that's a concern in year one of a six-year, $115 million contract extension. And and we've seen, you know, or at least we've heard rumblings about it possibly being the hemate bone, the little hook bone inside the hand, which is, if, if it were that, that's a, from all accounts, fairly easy surgery, fairly quick recovery from, could have happened during the off season uh, if that were something that was a reoccurring problem. But they've never specifically called it the hemate bone. And then the fact that there hasn't been any surgery that's been diagnosed for this, it 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 does again. It's it's the mystery of it. Like it's it's just that general soreness that you know that we're used to hearing from the Astros because they don't like to give us a lot of information. But that that is, I think, just the mystery of it is is very very interesting. Um, so how about we talk about some good news? Uh, not that Jordan, you know, returning is not good news, but Jeremy Pena, let's, let's talk about Jeremy Pena, uh, his triumphant return from, uh, WBC going three for three with two bombs was overshadowed by the Altuve news. Uh, we saw, we had an article from Chandler Rome that got written up a little nice little off season, uh, write up or preseason write up. Josh, you found some interesting bits in there about Pena, working on his swing with Bregman. Obviously we, you know, we chronicled the, the whole demise of the leg kick thing. And that got attributed to him being able to turn around his swing more consistently in the postseason. But uh, there were some other things about working with Bregman in there, right? Yeah. That's what was really interesting is he eliminated the leg kick, I believe on September 11th. And it was against uh, Shohei Otani, I believe. So that's when he, he eliminated the leg kick, but he'd actually been working on Bregman with pitch selection for a little over a week before that, it was in late August, him and Bregman have been talking about, you know, looking for certain pitches, but, you know, you're not just looking for a slider, you're looking for a certain type of slider and just being a little more discerning about what pitches you chase. And it's what we thought from watching. He just, Pena killed four seam fastballs last year. So he stopped getting thrown them very much. So, you know, it started going to all sliders, stuff like that. The other thing that was interesting is changeups really killed Jeremy Pena as well. So he's working with, I don't know if there's a better right handed hitter to be working with as far as talking strategy than a guy like Alex Bregman to, to help you you know, kind of keyhole some pitches and stop chasing all that junk outside the zone. And and Bregman told him, you can learn a lot by the way they are attacking you. And we saw it. They're just, you know, low and away sliders. He's like, you can use that information to benefit you. So this actually makes me feel a little better about Pena taking that next step and continuing what he did in the postseason this year, because it's not just the mechanical adjustment. His total approach to the way he's hitting has been changed from the tutoring of Alex Bregman. So I think this is great news. Yeah, uh, other than maybe Maldonado, and you never know player to player because they can make so much money during their careers, right? Hey, he's going to be a big league manager someday. Uh, Alex Bregman, uh, after Maldi, might be where I'd throw my dart. Thinking man's player, along with the innate talent. Um, And Pena should just still be in the ascendant phase of his career. He was not a young rookie, at already 25 years of age now, uh, but it was his first year of big league experience, and and anyone who flourishes the way he did on the the October stage uh, earns some benefit of the doubt, especially especially when backed up as as Josh just enumerated, right? Specific uh, learning points from Alex Bregman, because even when Pena took off down a stretch last year and, and hit 290 over the last month of the season, he wasn't walking. Right? His on base percentage was 315, but 290 with power diminishes the important sum of on-base percentage, though if you're batting one or two, it's still the most important part of doing that job well, getting 
on base. Uh, I'll give you an example of two of the all-time Astros greats. Uh, Jose Altuve, who these days, certainly this generation of Astros fans, probably wins the vote as the greatest Astro of all time. Uh, Jose Altuve has never scored more than 117 runs in a season. Craig Biggio did that four times. And it can't be, well, uh, Biggio had Bagwell behind him. Yeah, he did. Uh, Altuve is not followed by bums uh, in, in the Astros lineup. But Craig Biggio, four seasons in his career on base percentage over 400. Altuve has one. So, you know, you want to look to how you're going to score the most runs? It's by getting on base. On base percentage, more important than batting average, slugging percentage, and projecting that. I think it's what, what's funny. Chaz McCormick's brother on Twitter uh, talked about how, oh, the Astros, uh, you know, have a, this poorly rated farm system, and yet they seem to have guys that always just come, come out and just start raking. And, you know, we saw it last year. Correa leaves. Jeremy Pena steps in and, and you know, really holds it down remarkably, gets MVP in both the final two series and the postseason. There's something to be said about uh, trajectory of a team team culture and winning seems to be contagious, especially on this team to maybe, maybe to where you can bring a guy up who maybe in another system may not produce the same way we've seen, you know, guys come in, you know, uh, Garrett Cole was able to be turned around by this, uh, the, by the, the pitching, the coaching staff here. And he, you know, was able to, you know, kind of, you know, change his trajectory of his career. I mean, he was always really good, but I mean, he really ascended in a Cy Young uh, candidate uh, in his time here. Uh, there's just something about that, uh, the, the culture where, and, and you kind of see it conversely with other teams where, you know, they have a highly touted prospect and comes up and you see it a lot of bad teams where highly touted prospects, you know, they're always constantly drafting towards the top of the draft and these guys get in and just, flounder or struggle or can't find success until maybe they even leave that team uh so i i I think it's a a credit to the team that jim crane has built the infrastructure that he's built here and you know all the gms that have come and gone along the way more recently than uh than before but uh i wanted to uh because they have such a strong infrastructure and because they have uh so much you know momentum going on their their way my bottom line question of the week for you guys is will the astros lead the division when jose altuve makes his return mm-hmm. well if we're going to call 8 weeks the astros come off a homestand may 15th against the cubs I think that would be a nice target date for Altuve to get back. Uh, I'm not going to say that's wildly aggressive. That would be, I think, eight weeks minus a day. But let's say it's June 1st. That's a third of the season. So 54 down, 108 to go, give or take. Hmm. I will say for the theater of it, the Mariners are one game ahead of them. Ooh. All right. Uh, Yeah, that's where I'm targeting it, around June 1st. So by June 1st, Yes, I think the Astros will be in first place. I think it's going to be a lot closer this year for reasons we talked about on the podcast. The the divisions got a lot tougher. The schedule's different. Obviously, all the injuries we're talking about. But I think by a third of the way into the season, water will have found its level, if I can borrow a phrase from Charlie there. And uh, I think the Astros will be uh, on top of the division. But I think it's going to be close, very close, most of the season. I think it... I think it's always kind of been close, especially at the beginning. Sometimes the Astros can have uh, a little slow start out the gate. 
And obviously not having your leadoff hitter can certainly contribute towards that. Uh, I'm going to say 11 and 11 last season or 10 and 10 last season. Right? It's not yeah. like we blew the doors off from yep. the start. Yeah, no, exactly. But but then still end up winning the second most games in franchise history. I I think they will. I, I think the uh, we look back, you know, I think the um, the hype around Seattle is certainly there. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to kind of see, you know, how they do in a full season with having Luis Castillo as their ace. Uh, we'll see how that all plays out. I'm going to go with Astros are definitely leading the division and I'm going to, I'm going to be a little bit spicy. I don't think it's going to be that close. I, mm-hmm. I think, I think the, uh, I think the Mariners are going to be the Mariners and I think the Astros are going to be the Astros. And I think, I think there will be at least a five game lead when uh, the, uh, when LTV makes his return. So I think the, I think the young guys are going to hit the ground running and I think uh, we're going to uh, we're going to see Astros be the Astros, which is they always seem to be able to fade these uh, sort of uh, in, like I said injuries and or uh, 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 maybe short shortfalls on performances. So let's get to the answers from our comment section. Uh, Harley David says uh, depends more on the pitching. Then Altuve replacement, but I say they will be in the lead. I like your thoughts there, Harley David. Cooper Media says, I'm guessing he misses 40 games and be around tied with the Angels uh, until they ultimately fall off. Okay. The and in the playoffs last year, Altuve did not hardly do anything against Seattle and against the Yankees, and they didn't drop a game. So they've shown that they can pull it together, you know, even when Altuve's, you know, not bringing it for them. Uh, they, uh, swept the Yankees without Altuve or Jordan performing and without getting anything meaningful out of the DH spot as well. So yeah, for, certainly in, in small scales, they definitely have been able to overcome. Um, let's see. James says you bat for and show pitching for Doe. That being said, the Ashes will be in first place. Uh, Jay Roberts, as long as they don't have prolonged losing streaks, I think they will be fine when he returns. Uh, and Warren Jones says Astros pitching will absorb the Altuve loss, in my opinion. Astros, Astro Wharf Craig says uh, Astros by June 1st uh, will be in first. And Joe Divin says Astros will start slow and get into gear by May uh, back in first when Altuve comes back. So, yeah, I think, I think we're all pretty optimistic about it. Again, I think it's just from the experience of having seen uh, the Astros just do it time and time again. I am a big believer and uh, momentum. And that's the bottom line because Stone Cold said so. So that drop means it is the end of the podcast. Uh, I want to thank my co-hosts, Charlie and Josh. Thank you so much for talking some ball with me. Hopefully we'll have one of these days. We're going to have some positive news to talk about one of these days sooner. We're going to have some real games to talk about. And I can't wait to do that with you guys. And until then, go Strohs.